0: This is a Baby Brunch Podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control. And that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. Fed Health. We let you be you. We wanted a podcast about a midwife, and so we brought you one. A big thank you to our support of this Baby Branch Podcast. This podcast is supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Nourish and hydrate your little one's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior, a range of gentle all-purpose emollient moisturizers that can be used as a soap substitute. New Epimax Baby Bum Barrier Cream protects, conditions and restores sensitive skin. Now we're very excited because today we're chatting to Angela Jane Wakeford. Angela, Angela when I say your name, it almost sounds royal because you're a midwife, you get... You get You get to bring up babies into this world. Isn't that amazing?
1: Well, I like to say (laughs) I catch them, that the mom births them, but I catch (laughs) I'm there to support and maintain safety. And I love what I do.
0: I can tell you are so energetic and so lovely. I've seen your pictures from holding mom. There's one picture where you are caressing a woman and it almost looks like you are going to hold her and kiss her forehead. And it's so beautiful to see that we are in such good hands, such good hands. As a midwife, if someone had to be in a consultation where they meet you for the very first time and they ask you, so what do you do? What does a midwife do? What does What is the role of a midwife? What do you do for a living?
1: Okay so a midwife is a medical professional. Most of us are trained as a nurse and then specialized as a midwife and we are the specialists in normal pregnancy and normal birth. So over the whole of South Africa most women's pregnancies are, um, care is done by a midwife not by a doctor and our role is to if we see that something's not right like high blood pressure then we're going to refer to a doctor that's their speciality so we do the regular checkups and give advice and health education and not just physical but emotional well-being as well that's important. I see that you are an independent
0: self-employed midwife that is interested in home birthing which I want to talk about so if you listen to this podcast about home birthing that's definitely something we're going to be discussed discussing registered nurse so, so I heard what you said. You have to be a medical
1: professional in order to be a midwife. So what's the difference between you and a doula? A doula is a woman who's trained to give non-medical birth support to the couple. So she's there for birth support, but not for um, mani- med- medically managing the, the pregnancy and the birth and maintaining safety, just support. But okay. midwives and doulas work very well together. Ah, I like how you say
0: that. I had a conversation with a gynecologist the other day, and she said she works very well with the doulas as well. And she said sometimes people have all three, a midwife and a doula, and you have the gynecologist. Do you ever feel that you guys step on each other's toes? Would you prefer that you're there by yourself? Um, Is it something that if you want extra safety, you get all three, or are we overreacting?
1: No, it's usually the couple's choice. You know, they need to choose who's at their birth. Usually an obstetrician, or or as we call them, our gynees are only involved if there is a reason to. So they're not usually in the birth room um, with an independent midwife unless there's a need. Mm. But if you birth in a private hospital where your gyne is your primary care provider, then the hospital midwife will be present at the birth as well.
0: So from all three, I have to tell you, I've heard this. I've heard that if baby is healthy, then you don't need the gynecologist. You can either go the route of a midwife, doula or um, home births that we're going to be talking about. But if there might be, God forbid, complications, then you kind of need the Mm -hmm. doctor's support. And so what is your approach? I mean, when do you let mom know that perhaps you are not the candidate to catch the baby? When do you let her know that you are it? Or perhaps
1: she needs to go and see... A doctor. So uh, most of my clients will will start their pregnancy journey with me from sometimes eight weeks pregnant. And I do all the pregnancy care for them, but they meet their backup private obstetrician at 36 weeks to have a scan and so that they know they know each other if there is a reason for the obstetrician to to be called upon there is a definite plan. Otherwise, we use government maternity and we make sure that a folder is open. So if we do have to transfer in, she's not an unbooked patient, she's in the system, and that is very important for safety.
0: Wow. I didn't know
1: that. Okay, definitely. It's a really known fact in, in making home birth safe that there should be a definite plan for if there is a complication.
0: So I had a gynecologist. And so if you see a midwife, first of all, where do you find a really good one? I saw your website, the Birth Hub. <laughs> you, do, you do antenatal classes with the birthhub.co.za. Okay, yes. so, but where do I find a good midwife? I'm in the market. I'm looking for someone who can catch my baby. Where do I go?
1: A lot of it is word of mouth uh, and Google and uh, Facebook, social media, forums. That's usually how it comes about often is it my friend told me about you and and so it goes
0: <laughs> when do you get to see your midwife so now the doctor gives you certain guidelines as to when to come in and see them and to do the scans but how often yes. would I see you during my pregnancy it's about the
1: same you know we, we we see women, I usually see women about eight to 10 weeks to uh, for them to meet me and suss out if my personality suits them, give them advice about screening tests like blood tests and scans. And then I see them again at 16 weeks, 24 weeks, 28 weeks, 32 weeks, 34 weeks, 36 weeks. They so normally see the backup doctor or, or state clinic. And then it usually see them about every 10 days to two weeks after that. So it's more or less the same schedule as a, as a gynae would do. What would you
0: say is the main differences between the midwife and the approach of the doctor? Do you find that, because this, this is what I found, and I mean, mine is just another opinion, right? So a lot of the gynae's let me know that they don't really do the personal touch. They are there for medical support. They are not going to necessarily help you with an antenatal class. They won't make a suggestion around the nursery. They are there to check whether the baby is medically fit. And there might be that impersonal approach, if you call it such, in -hmm. the delivery room because the anaesthetist needs to give you an aesthetic or there's a caesarean. And so the doctor needs to focus on stitches. And so if Mm -hmm. you want support, it might have to come in other forms or means. Yes. What would you say? I hope I didn't answer the question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The the midwifery approach and the obstetric approach are different. You know, I'm a specialist in normal birth, which encompasses the emotions in the family. It's family-centred. Because I get to know the family, I know what that woman's worries are, not I'm with her the whole labour. I know what her worries are and what I need to support her on. Um, An obstetrician is a specialist of complications, So they do have a more medical approach. When they train, they're only involved in the complicated births. They don't see all the hundreds of thousands of natural births. It's just different. (laughs) Neither is wrong, but it's just different, and it's right for different women.
0: Should we write a birth plan? Is that something that you will help us with? I mean, I had a birth plan, and I forgot it at home the day that the baby came out. I was like, I don't know where my birth plan is, so I'm just going to go with it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think it's a very useful tool. A, it makes the couple really sit down and think, now what was that about doing, what, what do we think about these things? And I think for when you don't know who's going to look after you in labour, uh, you don't know the hospital midwife and maybe your obstetrician's not on call, it might be something else, you can say, this is what I've discussed with my doctor. This is what my preferences are. But you have to be flexible because you don't know how your birth journey is going to be.
0: I love how you say that because everyone's is unique, right? And it's equally special. Before the, so before the recording, we, we had a little chat. How many babies have you caught in uh, May? No, wait. April. No, wait. March. March. March.
1: March. <laughs> <laughs> I had um, six births in March. That's the maximum clients I take on a month. And it was interesting because they were all baby girls. It's a sign.
0: I don't know of what, but it's uh, <laughs> it's a sign. The how many babies do
1: you have? I have one daughter who's 14. <laughs> but um, I don't know how many babies I've helped in the world because I've been a midwife for 28 years. I lost wow. count a long time ago.
0: Do do things ever go wrong? Do do things ever do you ever are you ever in a situation and mom is afraid to push? I mean, I'm, I'm asking this out of sequence because doing this for 28 years, you've seen everything.
1: Just about. <laughs> yes. I, the reason I like working this way as an independent midwife and really knowing my clients, it's much less chance of things going wrong because I really know what's going on and I really know her and she knows me and so there's a trust relationship. And that does really smooth the way. Mm. Um, so, yes, there are times where, you know, I've had to help a baby start breathing or deal with heavier blood loss than I'd like, but that's things that midwives are trained for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the equipment we take to a home birth. Or, you know, in the, in the state system here, it, it, most women give birth in the MOUs, the midwife units in, in, the, in their local areas, and those are staffed by midwives, not by doctors. Mm-hmm. They refer into the, the hospitals when there is a problem. Let's talk
0: home births. I am so curious and interested. And some people say, troll YouTube and watch the videos. Others say, don't do it. You know, (laughs) the way they push in the movies is not the way that you need to do it. And so there's different advice around this.
1: Mm. So
0: let's talk home. So usually when a midwife is involved, do you take your midwife to hospital or do you take your midwife home with you?
1: Uh, most of the time, particularly at, in Cape Town at the moment, it's, uh, none of the independent midwives sadly have got access to do births in hospital um, because there are very few private obstetricians who are willing to provide backup, mm. a medical backup. So we are just do, doing home births at the moment with a backup plan, which would mean if, the, if there were complications, then handing over the client, your client to the obstetrician in the hospital. Right. So that's how we're working at the moment. So home births are done only from 37 weeks pregnant, so the baby's fully mature. So we don't do premature births at home, and everything must be on track for being normal baby. Head down, no high blood pressure or anything like that.
0: The day comes, and you have Braxton Hicks, and who do you call, the doula or the midwife?
1: Well, you can call either. (laughs) Uh, But if it's Braxton Hicks... We're going to say, that's great. Go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I'm terrified and I need to be calmed down because I'm panicking unnecessary and it's, there's no need for panic, but I'm a first time mom mm. and I'm really, really afraid. And I'm not sure what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. So we talk on the phone. My, you know, my clients know they can phone me anytime, but I do ask for it just to be about labor and urgent things in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> Uh, And I can usually tell a lot on the phone. Mm. If we can have a chat for 10 minutes and she doesn't stop to breathe for a contraction, I usually say, okay, maybe try a warm bath. I think you're all fine. Try this. Try that. But if after two minutes she's, (gasps) I'm like, I'm on my way.
0: (laughs) You just reminded me of something on the phone. I remember after my cesarean, my my doctor was out of town and I had to call another gynecologist and I said to her, I need to take this plaster off. And she said, rip it off, rip it off, take the plaster off. It's okay. And I was like, no, I think I need to come into into the, the, the rooms. And she said, you had a baby, rip the plaster off. And I did. And then she said, See, Alana, sometimes when I speak a little bit louder, you do what I want. And I was like, how did you do that? I just listened to you over the phone. Like, You're not even here, and I'm doing what you're telling me. But that's amazing, right, that you can hear where they are at. Do, Do you train us how
1: to breathe? When I teach my antenatal classes, I talk a lot about how the body works in labor so they're not frightened. Right. And I remind women that there's more rest time than contraction time in your labor. Okay. More downtime. More downtime. And my colleague Charlene teaches this in our, um, our birth course. Uh, my colleague Charlene teaches a three-hour session on hypnobirthing techniques, which is the breathing and the mind over matter and the partner support techniques. Um, so we make sure this, that our clients are well prepared for their birth. And that's important. Doing preparation so that you're not going into birth scared
0: is hypnobirthing and all the other techniques around meditation, is it useful or um, is it just something that someone created to make us all feel better about the situation?
1: It's very useful. I really strongly believe that because a lot of birth is in the head. If you're not in the right headspace, and if you are tense and scared, you feel more pain. If you are relaxed, you feel less pain and your labor goes quicker.
0: When we are at home, these are just all quick fires that are coming up. I'm not even sticking sure. to my notes. It's just so wonderful having you here. When when we are at home and baby starts, I mean, take take me through the actual birthing process. So I didn't have a natural birth. So you mm-hmm. are in labor and you're going to have your baby. Do you stand or sit down? Uh.
1: Mm-hmm. The woman chooses the
0: position that works for her. Wonderful. Um, how do I know that the baby's head is coming through?
1: Well, we would have known like right from beforehand that baby's <laughs> head down. <laughs> we may, you know. Um, I do do vaginal examinations when right. need be, <laughs> and you so say I monitor that with the pushing that baby's com- you know is coming forward and out, and I keep an eye on the heartbeat and give encouragement. Definitely. When, when they say two centi-
0: centimeters dilated, which, by the way, I was with my prem baby, but um, two centimeters dilated or three or is it actual centimeters or are they measuring it by doing the vaginal examination?
1: It's kind of a guesstimate because you're doing it with a vaginal examination and feeling how far apart you can get two fingers before feeling the edges of the cervix. Mm-hmm. So it is, it, it, it is a little bit of a guesstimate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two people can get slightly different findings mm. uh, um, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how
0: soon after? How, how far do you dilate before baby starts showing?
1: Uh, ten centimeters, which means the cervix is what we call fully dilated, out of the way for the baby being born. So it's no longer a barrier keeping the baby back.
0: When the, you are 10 centimetres dilated, uh, how much of the baby do you actually see? Because we are waiting for baby to show.
1: You don't see anything yet. Because you can be 10 centimetres, the baby's still got to move the last bit of the journey through the birth canal. Mm-hmm. So usually women have been pushing for a little while So. First mom, first time, it might be half an hour, an hour. Second time, it might be 10 or 20 minutes before you start seeing the signs of the baby's head and you can tell the parents whether the baby's got hair or not. Oh. And um, I'm so excited. And, and do they
0: come uh, face up, so towards you, or do they go face down?
1: Usually face down. That is the, the easiest way for the baby to fit through the birth canal. Okay. So their nose is facing towards back passage okay and I do a lot of water births as well M- most women planning a home birth will uh, hire a, an inflatable birth pool because warm water is natural pain relief oh wow so you so, this
0: warm water and you're giving yes. birth and and how often do they does it keep the temperature of the water or do you have to add hot water
1: every now and then Every now and again, yes, but we're only doing body temperature, mm. 37 degrees. So we want the water temperature the same as the amniotic fluid. So babies coming from water in the womb to the same water. So there's no stimulation for them to breathe under the water. Oh, then that's As soon example. as they're born, they're lifted up onto mommy's chest.
0: Um, who cuts the umbilical cord when you have a midwife and a home birth can you still have daddy do it or is it something that you absolutely
1: but we don't cut the cord straight away we usually wait and do the delayed cord um, clamping and then and then dad cuts it we will Uh, take a photograph and um explain delayed uh cord clamping that just means that uh We are not putting a clamp on the cord so that while the placenta is still attached and functioning, the baby's getting the rest of its blood, which has oxygen and iron stores and stem cells in it. So they get that extra boost.
0: Uh, You hear a lot of stories and uh, you see a lot of blogs and movies around placenta and how people will keep it. What do you Mm. do with a placenta at home when there's a home birth?
1: Usually, they will bury it in their garden. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they can arrange to take it into the hospital for incineration. Sometimes people want to have it put into capsules to take. I'm not there to decide what, <laughs> but
0: do you give? Yes. How do they decide which option, though? I mean, is it something that you discuss in the interview as well?
1: Yes, usually at some stage you know, okay. when they are thirty-seven weeks, I go and do that appointment at their home. So I know where I'm going in the middle of the night <laughs> and we talk about the logistics of where they want to be and put the pool and then I always talk about the placenta. Yeah. I do also have quite a few placentas in my garden from home births in flats and such forth. My daughter is quite used to digging holes for placenta. Oh, gosh. <laughs> She'd rather help me with that than washing the dishes, actually.
0: <laughs> By the way... So while we're recording this podcast, we're also recording video. So I see Angela and I'm like, hey, cool headphones. And you,
1: what was your response? The only ones I can find, they're my daughter's gaming headphones. <laughs> That's why you need my a midwife. My funny is about placentas. One day <laughs> I came home from work and my daughter was looking very cross in the driveway. And I said, what's, what's wrong, wrong, love? Mom, I'm so disappointed. I thought it was ice cream, but it's a placenta. Because I had a placenta and an ice cream bucket in the freezer because I got home in the middle of the night and I hadn't had a chance to bury it yet. Typical oh midwife daughter, not <laughs> horrified, just very disappointed.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so I have a question around placenta. Are you allowed to make capsules with someone else's placenta and take it? No. Yes.
1: I don't think it's such a good idea. Usually okay. you, you you just have it done with your own. You know, it's a blood yeah that product I, um, I don't think it would think be good that's a idea good
0: idea sh- okay forget yeah. I even asked that <laughs> <laughs> I I have had so many other questions and I mean we we we, we structured this interview around mm-hmm. understanding midwifery but I think the joy for me lies in the actual birth and you being there with
1: us to guide us through <laughs> this do you do you stay after the birth Definitely. I'm there for usually about two hours after the birth, make sure mum's fine, you know, doesn't need any stitches, that all the vital signs are stable and the bleeding is normal, and the baby's fine and baby's latched on and had the first feed. So once I'm happy with that, then I will leave them and I go back the next day. I leave at 10 o'clock at night then I'll go back the next morning and go and check on them again. And I'm available by phone and WhatsApp. And then I normally see them again on the third or the fourth day to check again. And
0: and before you get into the water for a home birth, do you use tools mm. like will you show us this is when you stay on the ball, you need to get into the water now or do you jump in straight away and stay in the pool for a very long time?
1: No, the um, water is more effective if the labour is very strong. So usually after six centimetres, okay. then it really helps because if right. you get in too early, it can actually slow down labour. So it's much better to use other tools like back pressure and moving position and breathing and heated wheat packs and things like that in the build-up it. And can you invite your family to watch? Well, I always say birth is not a spectator sport. Um, you know, don't, you might not want to be on show so much. You need to have people around you that you are comfortable with and that – uh, so, but it's your choice. Mm. In the end, of it, it's your home, so you can choose who you want to have with you.
0: What if labor slows down, you know, some reassurance for our moms or you are terrified that baby might be coming too early and then having to go into hospital instead of having a home birth? Because that just changes the plan, you know? You have Absolutely, a plan.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: And you yes. Don't, I, I don't like it when my plans change. Especially not around a baby. It's happened twice. So I
1: don't want more plans to change anymore. What do we do? You contact your midwife. Your midwife will assess and see what's going on and help you make the call if it is safe to stay at home or safe to stay in midwife's care or whether there is a need to go to hospital mm. and be checked. Obviously, if it's premature labor, we do want her to go to hospital. We want them to try and stop the labor. Mm. So baby is not born premature. Sure. What if there is a cord around the neck? Will you know? You don't normally know until baby is born. About a third of babies are born with a cord around the neck and you don't know until afterwards and then you just unravel it. It's unusual for it to actually cause a problem. Right. You know, I know we always worry about it and we hear stories about it, but usually those are babies where the movements have slowed down in labor, in, before labour even mm. starts because of that restriction. So it doesn't usually cause any problem with birth.
0: What would you like to say to every mom who really desires a home birth, a water birth, but they've had a C-section or two, and they really desire a natural birth with a a third baby or second baby?
1: It's a really, really tough one because I get asked this quite a lot. It's very difficult as an independent midwife to support that because Mm. we do not have medical backup for that. Mm. Nobody's going to support an out-of-hospital birth for a VBAC, particularly after two seizures. So it's Mm. very difficult to offer that. Mm. So I I offer to give antenatal input to help empower Mm. the women. I recommend that she has an experienced doula and that she she chooses her care provider very carefully. Carefully. Mm. I think the more women can get to know what their options are, early in pregnancy the better because if you don't if you don't look it up then you don't have what options and if you leave it too late then everybody's full up <laughs> you know yeah. and can't can't take you on midwives take on only a few clients a month so that we can be there for, for our clients and not at another birth or something
0: what would you say to every mom who has the desire to call up a midwife and say please can you help me catch my baby
1: I would say, come and have a discussion with me. Let's talk about it more, see what you really want, if this is right for you, if I'm right for you. Let's talk, and then you decide.
0: Well, this was amazing. Angela Jane Wakeford you can find her on Angela the midwife on social media that's her page she's an independent self-employed midwife and she's open to home pregnancy and home birthing services she's a registered nurse which gives me such reassurance a midwife with 28 years of experience she's worked in government and private care and it was just a privilege chatting to you this was great fun thank you so much This podcast was supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Epimax Baby and Junior is dermatologist approved, free of artificial colorants and fragrances, and is safe to use from birth. Touch, nourish, love your child's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior. Available from leading pharmacies and retail stores. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control, and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you.